Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. One of the phenomena that's happened, I'd say, in the last 20 years is how sports science has changed. And you have people now who are playing longer and longer. They're saying athletes are remaining elite, cyclists, runners are remaining elite. They're in their 30s and 40s. It used to be at 30, you were done. And now they're, they're, they're extended. I mean, Tom Brady's what, 60, 65? I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's, he's been doing this a while. And we know that some of the training methods have changed, but what has, has also changed is not just the science of it, is now you find that athletes are taking a lot better care of their bodies. They're caring for their health more. If you're gonna stay strong, you're gonna to have to take care of your health. And I wanna talk about that this morning, staying strong, inside strong. Now, if you're gonna stay strong physically, because they parallel, if you can stay strong physically, one of the things you find out is you're gonna to have to watch your diet. You know, you can't eat anything you wanna eat. You just have to, you have to eat clean. Those of who are athletes, you realize that. If you're training, you know what you eat, and you have to eat strong. If you're going to stay strong, you're gonna to have to recover, you're gonna to have to get some rest. Now this is something that really has taken place, I'd say in the last 20 years, is the idea of recovery. Uh, this year in Houston, there's some, some gym is running classes they call surrender classes. I don't know if any of you ever attended a surrender class. It's all about resting, which sounds just like my kind of gym class. It is all, <laughs> it is all about resting and they have, uh, now they have recovery rooms and areas where people can go and just rest and recover. And they're saying that people are looking for some of that more because they realize you can't just push yourself, you have to recover. So you gotta eat right, you gotta rest. Um, you have to guard against distractions. If you're, a, especially if you're an athlete, you have to remain pretty focused and things can distract you. Well, and you understand that life distracts you. A lady wrote about her, her middle child, Eli, who was four, three, three years old. Eli loved chapstick. She said she would, she would come in her bathroom and Eli had taken her chapstick and he would use her chapstick and then he'd lose it in the house. And so she finally told him, she said, Eli, sweetheart, you're, you're using up and losing mommy's chapstick. So here's where mommy keeps the chapstick. When you use it, put it back. And pretty sharp three-year-old, he caught on to that. So he would use it and she didn't lose chapstick anymore. Well, on Mother's Day, she's running around just trying to enjoy the glories of her day. And it's a crazy, she had two other kids and she's trying to, to get kids to stop fighting and she finally gets them in the car, they're going to church. And they, they get the older one, the younger one, they can't find Eli. So she goes in the house, she's calling for Eli, she's looking for Eli, and she comes around the corner and Eli is sitting on the, on the floor very carefully applying chapstick to the cat's rear end. They had a cat. <laughs> and, and he's putting chapstick on the, on the cat's rear end. She looked at him, she went, Eli. And he looked at her, he went, chapped. Because if you know what you think about a cat's rear end, they look very chapped. And so he's just <laughs> applying chapstick. And so she... Uh, she thought, here's the thought that just distracted her for an entire day. Is that the first time he has put the chapstick <laughs> on the cat? Or is it, <laughs> that's a distracting thought. I mean, you know, you could lose your whole Mother's Day with thinking that thought the, the whole day. S staying strong physically, you, you have to do some things to stay strong, but we, have to, we also have to stay strong 
inwardly, spiritually. And so one of the, the verses, that's a really powerful verse, it's found in Proverbs 4, and it says, above all else, guard your heart. Now it's not talking about your physical heart, it's talking about your, your, your spirit. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Listen, we, we need to put some importance there because guarding your heart is just as, if not more important than guarding your health because everything flows out of your heart. That's the eternal part of you. And so maybe that's a, a new thought for us, but I, I think we need to grasp. It says above all else that you guard, guard your heart. So that must mean there are things that would negatively impact your heart or there would be no need to guard it. What we find out is heart strength, inside strength, is all related to what's in your heart. And the stronger you are on the inside, the better you can handle life on the outside. It doesn't mean the problems go away. It just means your ability to handle them is, in, is, is enhanced and increased. Jim Davison wrote a book called The Ledge. The Ledge is about a, a, a mountain climbing trip that he and his climbing partner, Mike Price, went on. They were climbing Mount Rainier's in 1992. Coming down Mount Rainier, they summited. They're coming down Mount Rainier. They're crossing an ice bridge and the bridge collapsed and they fell into an 80 foot crevasse. Crevasse is a very fancy name for a big crack in the ice. And they landed on a two-foot ledge. When Jim woke up, he landed on two. His, his climbing partner, Mike Price, was dead. He didn't survive the fall. It's pitch black. He has 80 feet. And he has no idea how he's going to get out or how he's going to climb. He doesn't have the equipment. He'd never, he never climbed ice like that. But Jim said the, the thing that kept rolling around, he said he kept hearing his father's words of encouragement and affirmation and belief in him. He kept hearing those words over and over again. He said this washed over him. Jim was raised by a dad who showed an unusual confidence, almost a reckless confidence in Jim. When he was 12 years old, he had him, he had him painting real steep roofs and water towers. Terrified his mother. But Jim's father kept telling me, if you'll let me help this young man, I can put in him that he could overcome adversity. And he believed, he believed in Jim. And Jim said when he was sitting in that dark, on a two-foot ledge with a dead partner looking straight up, he said he kept hearing his father's words just roll in him and his words of encouragement. And five hours later, Jim Davidson climbed out of that ice crevice. He climbed out. Now here's, here's what I'm saying. You have to be more than physically strong to do something like that. You've got to be strong on the inside. So that tells me something for parents. Our words are key. Our words are important. But here's another side of that. If Jim could take strength from his father's words, how much more can we take strength from our heavenly father's words and what he says about us in his word? And can we gather that? And we, Because what he says about us is powerful and it's eternal and it's, it's spiritual. And he says that we're strong in Christ. He says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He says we're more than conquerors. He says we're blessed. We need to let those words go in us because those words make us inside strong. But if we're gonna stay inside strong, we have to guard our heart. Now there's a great story in the Bible about a lady who did not guard her heart. She, was a, she had a great encounter with Jesus, started off real well, and then she got sideways. Let's look at her. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha. Martha started off good. Lord was in town. She welcomed him into her home. This is the same Martha, had a sister named Mary, had a brother named Lazarus. This is the one that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus knew this family. And so here, here he is, he's staying with Martha. She welcomed him into her home, but then Martha got sideways when she got distracted. She got distracted with much serving. They said Jesus was teaching and Martha wasn't listening to the teaching. Martha was preparing. She's getting something together. I mean, well, of course you are because people come into your house and how many know you got to feed them? That's just what you do. I married Joy, whose Italian family is just like, if you don't, you don't feed them, you have just like broken the Italian code. They'll take your, they'll take your Italian badge from you. You've got to feed, you've got to feed them. And Martha probably had that same mentality. Well, they're here, I've got to feed them. And Mary, it says, Mary is sitting at his feet listening to Jesus. Now, Martha is now upset because she's distracted. I mean, she's probably trying to listen to Jesus. I mean, this is the son of God sitting in your living room and he's talking. I mean, you know, that would be good to hear what he's got to say. And, and, and she's probably trying to listen, but then somebody's got to fry the chicken and somebody's got to cook the collard greens and get the cornbread ready. I said, did they eat that back then? No, but it sounds really good to me. And so I thought that, but she's making a meal. She's, she's, she's preparing and Mary is sitting down there just kind of just listening to Jesus. And I'm sure you know Martha's trying to get her attention. Mary, 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 Mary. And Mary's just like, she's ignoring. She's, she's watching. And Martha went from being distracted to agitated. And she got so agitated, she walked in there and interrupted the Son of God <laughs> and accused him of not caring. <laughs> She looked at him and went, uh, Lord, don't you care that my lazy heifer sister has not done a thing to help me? Tell her to help me. So she interrupted the Lord, accused the Lord, and then told the Lord what to do. Can, can we agree that obviously her heart's not in a good place right now? Not in a good place. I love how Jesus responds to her. Jesus Jesus, you know, he's probably shaking the head, Martha, Martha, which reminds me of the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha. No, this was Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha shook his head. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't punish her or hurt her. He corrected her, but he didn't hurt her. I've heard people say, yeah, I was going the wrong way and the Lord broke my leg and wrecked my car. The Lord did not break your leg and wreck your car. That was your bad driving, and, and it was, but it was not the Lord. He didn't punish her. He didn't call her names. He wasn't demeaning. He corrected her. Amen. And he said, he, he said, Martha, you made the wrong choice. He said, you're worried and troubled about so many things. And you're just uptight and worried. It's not just the meal. You're just, you're just worried and troubled. He said, Mary has chosen something good. Mary chose, she opted for the eternal she chose something. He said, and what she chose is not going to be taken away from her. What's he mean by that? I mean, hearing his words, his eternal words, his, 
His holy word would get in Mary and strengthen Mary and encourage Mary, and you can't take that away. Nobody can take that from you. When faith gets in your heart, no one can take it out of your heart. I don't care what they say. That's yours. He said, Mary has chosen that good part. He said, that's not going to be taken away. You see someone who didn't guard their heart and someone who placed a high priority and made a good choice. So what about us? How do we, how do we guard our heart to stay inside strong? We've talked about some ways you can do that. We've talked about you've got to make God God. If God is God, serve him. We, we know that. We've talked about that, that you have to identify with a God who will help you and a God who says great things about you. We identify with that. And then we talked about trusting God, taking steps of trust, that there are action steps involved. And we, we have to make steps of faith. And all those things will help you and they'll help become inside strong. You become inside strong and that's good. But then we also have to guard our heart because there are forces that come against us that would drain us and pull away from us. So here's one of the first things we have to understand. We need to buy into the truth that guarding your heart's important that your heart is important. Buy into the truth that spiritually it's important. If your doctor looked at you and said, man, I'm hearing some bad things in your heart. I want you to go get it checked. You'd go get it checked because you realize that keeping your heart health is important. But your spiritual health is important as well. That's why the scripture says, guard your heart above all that you guard. Your life flows out of it. There's strength there. There's life there. It makes a difference. And so, in fact, in one of the Proverbs, it says, it says, the strong spirit or heart of a man will sustain him in sickness, but a broken spirit who can bear. Amen. You know, when, when you're, and you've seen people, they've just been broken on the inside. Man, you don't have any strength. You don't have any, any, any get up and go. And it impacts you. Our heart, we've got we've to buy into the truth. What you're doing here, you came to church today, or you're watching this online, what are you doing? You're saying spiritual things have value, and they have eternal value. And when you put a priority on that, you're strengthening your inside. That's one of the great values of church. It strengthens you on the inside, makes you stronger. And it doesn't mean your problems go away, but it means your capacity to handle them gets better. And that's something good. So as we're, as we're talking about guarding your heart, we have to understand there are things that we actually have to guard against. Listen to what Jesus said in John, the 14th chapter, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The implication there is you. You don't let your heart. We can easily say, Jesus could have easily said, you need to guard your heart. You don't need to allow your heart to be troubled. You don't need to allow your heart to be afraid. Now there's two ways you can look at that verse. You can look at it and go, well, you know, if Jesus left me as peace, I don't, I don't, I don't seem to have any peace. I don't have peace. Or you could take a positive view and read that verse and go, thank God he left me his peace and I have the peace of God. That is mine. It belongs to me. I am going to guard my heart and not allow my heart to be troubled and afraid. Because guys, there are plenty of things out there to cause our hearts to be troubled and worried and afraid. That's the, the world we're living in, full of it. How about this one? How about distractions? Just being distracted. You can get so distracted. I, you know, I, I, I've, uh, I, I like technology. I've had, a, I've had a cell phone or a, actually my first phone was in 1991. I had a bag phone. Anybody remember a bag phone? You could not put that in your pocket, but it was cutting edge technology, man. It, it was big, big. 
Now, had a back, so I love, I love technology, but I realize that technology has gotten to the place where it almost dominates our life. It's a, they say right now, there's a study that said that we look at our phones. Are you ready for this? Average person looks at their phone over 85,000 times a year. That's once every 4.3 minutes. And if you got your phone out right now, just go ahead and put it up. No one's going to say anything, but just, it's every 4.3 minutes we're, we're looking at our phone. And, you know, and, and I can look at this. I'm not railing against you. I'm not saying throw away your phone. I'm just saying it's just part of life. Listen, I have left my house just to go run a few errands and forgotten my phone and turned around before I reached the end of the block and went back and got it. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. But we've, we've become addicted to this thing. And it dings and goes off. And I was laughing at Joy the other day. I'm in the middle of a conversation and a, a text comes in and she just pfft, right around me and went to get the text. I'm like, am I chopped liver? What are you doing? Well, hey, hey. <laughs> a, a, friend, not, a friend said that he noticed when he would go out sometimes with his friends, he said, he said everyone would be on their phone. They're, they're you know, taking pictures of their food, texting people or calling people. He said, you couldn't even have any conversation. He said, so they start something new. You might like this. He said, now they stack the phones in the, in the center of the table, face down. And they're, they're dinging and buzzing and everything, but the first one to pick it up pays for dinner. That'll work. Trust me, that will work. You say, well, what about my family? Put the phones in the middle of the table and the first one touches it does the dishes. Y'all not as enthusiastic about that. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> But the idea is it, it can be a distraction. They say if you text and drive, you're 23 times more likely to, to have an accident. And so life, life has become distracting and it hasn't gotten any less. Then there's another thing we have to guard against. We have to guard against distraction. And listen, I have to do, I make myself sometimes not pick up my phone till it's on the hour or something. So I just, I make myself do it. It's not easy. But you can do it. I, well, I don't want to be distracted. Because sometimes when you're so distracted, you've got no time to read, no time to hear from God. No time. How about being agitated and, and irritated at people all the time? Do we need to guard against that? We do. Because it's hurting us. It's not helping us. You're mad at people all the time, agitated at people. I, I found myself talking to people who cannot hear me and do not know me. People who get in my personal left lane and go slow. And I'm talking to them like they did that on purpose. Like they saw me coming, well, there's Alan's car, get in the left lane, slow down so we can make him late. And I'm talking to them like, what are you doing? What? Do you have any power in that vehicle? Can you go? Can you? Hey, Sparky, it's not going to get greener than that. Let's, let's do it. I know I'm the only one. Just indulge me just for a moment. But you can wind up, wind up agitated at people you don't even know. And then how about people online? They say stuff, but you say stuff. You don't even know them. You don't know who they are. They could be some crazy person, not living in a cave somewhere. I mean, they're writing stuff. And, and you, you get, we get agitated. And being agitated and upset at people is not helping us. Guard your heart against that. Your anger is not going to change anything. Then there's... <laughs> Are you still here? Okay. How about, how about worry? Worrying and, and fretting about things that never happen. Ever done that? How much of, of our worries have just come to nothing? Steve Poe said he was 
well, he, when he was a kid, he used to walk to school with some friends and they walked past a, a, a house where he had a boxer, a big aggressive boxer. And that boxer would start barking and then he would run out like he was gonna attack them. He was on a chain, chain would pull him back. He said, but they were afraid that one day this dog was gonna break that chain and come after them. And Steve said he would start worrying blocks before he reached that house, thinking about that dog. Is that dog tied up? Is that dog, is that chain gonna break? He's a kid, he's worried. He said one day, he said the, the dog came running and the owner happened to be outside and watch what happened. So the next day, the owner is holding the dog with the leash when the boys came walking past. He said, boys, come here. They didn't know if they were in trouble or not, but they didn't know if he was gonna sick that dog on them. And they said, we're not, we were not coming to him. He said, so he started coming to us. He, and he kept saying, you don't have to be afraid of my dog. You don't have to be afraid of my dog. And finally, when he got close to him, he kneeled down and he pulled the boxer's lip up to show him there wasn't a tooth in his mouth. <laughs> he was a toothless boxer. He had no teeth. He said, boys, even if this dog got loose he's, and, and bit you, it's not going to, he can't gum you to death. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> and so Steve said from that moment, once they knew the truth, about that boxer, they didn't, they didn't worry anymore. The truth made them free. Listen, the enemy is like a toothless boxer. He's constantly telling you what's gonna happen. This is gonna happen. This is gonna happen to you. And you need to understand he's a liar. And when you recognize that he's got no teeth, then the worry goes away. And you can go, I'm not listening to your lies. You say, but what happens, Alan, when I have something that's legit? It's a real problem. We're not making this up. It's got consequences. What do I do? There's a great verse, and I love what Peter shares. He said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Did you catch that? Casting all of your care. Well, I, I, I give God the big stuff. I take care of the little. He said, all. If it's bothering you, he said, you can come to him because he cares for you. Isn't that wonderful? We have a relationship with a God who cares so much for us, as like Joy said, stop trying to drag that luggage down the escalator. Let the Lord handle it. Give it to him, like I should have handled it for Joy, but that's another story. But, <laughs> but let, the, let the Lord take care of it. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. That's a good one. And then here's the last one. Make good choices. Make quality choices. In other words, choose something we have to choose the things in life that are going to build us up spiritually, our spiritual strength. Opt for the eternal. About 30 years ago, Joy was diagnosed with chronic acute pancreatitis. It was, in her case, it, it could have been fatal, the attack she was having. They told her she could have an operation, and if she survived it, that's not good news. And she was in such pain. She was taking over 500 just pills a month. She was taking pain medication. She was, the, the kids and I both remember watching her crawl up the steps because she couldn't walk. She was in such pain. And in the mornings, she would, she would wake up early to, to, to beat the kids out of bed. And she would tell me, she said, Alan, help me get up. And I'm like, darling, I, I don't want to do that. She said, no, seriously, help me get up. And in the morning, she would wake up and she would be in such pain. I would have to rub her back for a while before she could even get out of bed. But then she would get out of bed and she would go sit in her chair and she would pray and she would go over her scriptures and pray and go over her scriptures. What was she doing? She was spending time with the one who could do something about her situation. 
She was spending time. She opted for the eternal as opposed to the temporary. Yeah, I wanted her to get more rest, but she needed something that was going to put some strength on the inside of her. And she chose that. And 30 years later, you see her. She's just full of life and energy. And the Lord's a healer and he'll heal you too. But it's, she made a choice like, like Mary made a choice. I, I want to I sit and listen to his words. Because I'll tell you, guys, we've, we've got a Lord that cares about us. And a Lord that wants us not to go through life. He knows he made us. He knows how we're built. He knows we don't handle the worries and cares and troubles. We weren't made for that. Look what Jesus says here. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Don't you like that? Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. He said, I'll teach you. Come to me. You can learn from me. He said, and you can find rest for your souls. We don't talk about this enough. But I am I'm thoroughly convinced that the mental health issues that are risen up, that people are beginning to acknowledge, so many of them can be mitigated and buffered. If we would get stronger on the inside, we could be stronger in our thinking and in our minds. And it would help us. And if we have rest for our souls, then mental health won't be near as much of a problem. You find rest for your soul. And that's such a difference. But we have to make the choice to come. The choice to opt for what's eternal as opposed to simply what's temporary. You came to church this morning. You're here, you're watching online. You've chosen the eternal. That's something that's in you. No one can take that away from you. We went to a, um, a, a big fundraiser a number of years ago. Uh, we had a, a member here of the church who headed up a, a large nonprofit organization and he invited Joy and I to come sit at the head table. We were his pastors and so we went. It was the River Oaks Country Club. I'm like, shoe doggies, Jethro, here we go. And uh, we were there, beautiful place. And we sat down, we, we, were, we were talking and just chatting, and a couple came late and sat at our table. And I recognized him, I recognized him when he came in. And uh, they sat down, very distinguished looking, you could tell, very, very wealthy, very polished couple. And uh, they sat down, and Joy just, they came in late, and Joy, being her joy self, did not want them to be uncomfortable. So she just started chatting. And Joy can ask you a million questions. And so she's asking questions. And they're talking. And Joy's just chatting. And they're talking. And I just, I just let her talk. She just, she's just treating them like they're the neighbors down the street. And after the, after the meal, we were leaving. And I looked at Joy. I said, do you, know, do you know who you were talking with? She said, oh, they were such a pretty couple. I said, yep. I said, they were. Uh, I said, that was Neil Bush. I said, his... His father is George H.W. Bush, the former president. I said, his older brother is George Bush, the former governor and president. And his other brother is Jeb Bush, the governor of Florida. I mean, in Texas, you're talking about Texas royalty. And Joy's like, what did I say? I said, you were fine. You were good. But here's, here's why I, I didn't want to tell her. I knew if I would told her... I should, that's President George Bush's brother. She'd have, she'd have froze up. She'd be like. <laughs> so I didn't tell her. But if she knew who she was talking to, it would have changed her approach. You know, guys, I, I think sometimes we don't realize who we're talking to. Yeah. 
Jesus, the Son of God, says, come to me. Come to someone who's greater than any president we've ever had. Come to someone who's greater and stronger than anyone who's ever lived, who's more powerful than any actor or any athlete, who has more influence than anyone, who created the universe and the, and the stars and the heaven, who created where we live. And he says, he says, come to me. That means we get to have a relationship with him. And if we recognize, we just get a glimpse of who we're dealing with. It's going to cause us to go, Lord, I... I just want to sit and listen to you. I want to hear your words because what you have to say is more important than anybody. And you want me to have a relationship with you? Mm. This whole thing. And if I've got a relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth and the universe, then I can get through this problem. And I can stay strong on the inside. And by your grace, I can overcome. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads bowed, eyes closed. And I'm going to ask a question. We'll be out of here in just a moment. If he came and said, Alan, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that. He knows that. But I want to. Or maybe you're just not sure. You know, I think I do, but I'm not sure. You want to be sure. That's something you want to be very sure about. He said, come to me. Or maybe you're like I was. Had a relationship, got away from God. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I, I used to have a relationship with the Lord, but I, I've gotten so far away. Is he interested and taking you back, the, the same come to me still applies. Come to me. So coming to him, we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to ask anybody to stand up or come to the front. Our purpose is not to embarrass you. Our purpose is to connect you with the one who cares about you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. That's you that I'm talking to. And you say, Alan, one of those situations applies to me. And I would like your prayer to either make sure that Lord Jesus is Lord of my life or to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Real quick, would you slip your hands up to just across this auditorium. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for your courage. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Yeah. I'll see you in the back. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. Takes courage to do that. I realize that. But it's such a good move. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you really wanted to. That's all right. You can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You're watching online. You can pray this with us out loud. You, if you're by yourself, if you're with others, pray it quietly. If you're here, pray it out loud with us. We're going to pray it as a church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, his heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we're so thankful for those who prayed that prayer this morning, prayed it online, prayed it in here those who've come out of spiritual darkness into the light and those who've come back home. Lord, we rejoice with them and we know you love them and you care about them and you've got good things for them. And Father, for the rest of us, those who know you, who have walked with you, thank you that we can get a bigger picture of who you are and how much good you have for us. If we'll come to you, hear your word and trust you. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.